This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everybody. This is Elsie Escobar, half of the team she podcasts with Jessica Kufferman. We are both at PodFest at this moment. I am, in fact, recording in the bathroom in my motel room. Mo- I'm saying motel because it kind of looks like a motel, but it's not really a motel. It's a hotel. Alas, I have been unable to record with Jessica, and I need to get this to John. So I'm just sending me, mind you, we're both together, which is why... We have special guests for you in this episode. You guys are going to get an amazing, uh, amazing treat from our amazing, and again, can I say amazing one more time? Our incredible editor, John Bikinis, and Jen Eads is on the show from thebrassybroad.com. What will you learn? All about audio. Hi, Jen. Hey, John. Is this a little too much testosterone for this podcast? Although I'm normally on it, but never in the beginning. No, I think it's great. I'm just in shock to hear that music and then hear my voice. I'm not going to lie. I've probably been on the episodes with them for at least 50. And now that we're allowed to do it ourselves, I'm nervous. A little bit. A little bit nervous. I'm right there with you. So let's just make it awesome. Let's do that. All right. So if you don't know, I'm the heat editor of the She Podcast, John. And with me, I have Jen Eads, right? Eads? Eds? How do you say it? Eads, right? It's Eads, unless you're Alexa and you might be looking for my podcast on Alexa. Then I would say Eds, and she'll hook you right up with that. Okay. It's so yeah. funny that your name is so short, but very hard to pronounce. It's like could be one way or the other. I know, because nothing's ever easy, is it? No, nothing's ever easy. <laughs> Not in podcast land, but we're here to make it easier today. Correct. See, Elsie and Jess are down in PodFest right now, at PodFest, not in PodFest, at PodFest, and they are sunning... Or Elsie's in a dark hotel room eating chocolate. We don't know. That'd be okay. Right. And so they said, listen, could you come on and do an episode about editing? And I'm like, yep, I'm there. And then she asked you, and I was like, I got, I started jazz handsing. Like, please say yes. <laughs> How could I say no to this? This is like the greatest thing ever. I know. Can we just, a little background on you? Because to be honest with you, I don't know your background. I'm a musician initially. So that's kind of how I got into the whole audio thing. And then I got hooked up with the lovely sisters at A Nun's Life Ministry, and they got me into podcasting. So big shout out to A Nun's Life Ministry, because I had never, I'd listened to podcasts, but I'd never edited a podcast before. And 
we got connected when I did some uh, some podcast theme music for them. And then that turned into, hey, Jen, would you want to edit our show? And of course, I said yes. And then I was like, this podcasting thing is like the coolest thing ever. I want a podcast. So then that kind of started me down the path to podcasting. They were my gateway. See, and I did the same thing where I just saw this app on my phone and I said, what is this? And I pushed mm -hmm. it and I was like, holy cow, look at all this. Look at all these shows. And I started listening and I was like, I think I can do this. So then yeah. I started to podcast and then I was horrible at it. So then I became a very good editor because I was a horrible podcaster. So Me too. Mm-hmm. And back then, there wasn't all these people editing your podcast. That was, I started in 2012. So they didn't have people that would edit your podcast. You had to do it yourself. Right. And what I wanted to do when I first started this is I wanted to make sure that the show sounded like a broadcast radio show. And mm -hmm. if it didn't sound like that, I didn't want to do it. But I found right. out on a limited budget that you can make your show broadcast quality with a little bit of investment because any hobby you have, you have to invest some money. You're, right. you're, you're a musician. How much money have you mm -hmm. spent on instruments? Oh, I can't count that. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So now if you would think about your pot, how much have you spent on, have you spent more on podcasting or musical instruments and gear? For music oh, music gear by far. But the nice thing about that was rather than, you know, then go out and think, oh, I've got to have a $300 microphone for my podcast. I used the $100 microphone that I sang into at all of my gigs anyway, because there was a comfort level with it. And I knew that it worked and it's taken a beating and it has served me well. Yes. So with me, when I was, okay, I go back to the 80s. The late 80s, I was a disc jockey. I used to go to the clubs and bars and disc jockey. So I said, hey, I still have a mixer. So I went in and blew the dust off the mixer and tried to hook it up. And nah, that didn't work. So yeah. I went and bought a small mixer and a very inexpensive mic. And matter of fact, it's the mic that I'm using right now. So this mic is five years old. And still, Which mic is it? It's a Shure 58. Shure 58. It's just your basic oh, workhorse. Exactly. And I, the mixer, I did upgrade my mixer one time, but the first mixer I bought was a hundred dollars. And, you know, like I said, you, if you're doing anything, any kind of hobby, whether it's golfing or I'm just thinking of quilting or anything, sewing, you have to go buy material and a sewing machine and thread. So you have to invest some stuff. So you're going to, I mean, you can podcast inexpensively, but you're going to have Absolutely. to learn a little bit more. Exactly. So we both edit for other podcasters. So is editing that hard? And how long do you think it would take for somebody to be proficient in editing? I think if you can get into a workflow, that's going to help with your proficiency right there. Like kind of map it out, have a plan and a strategy before you actually start editing, actually before you even record your show. And then once you take the time, I encourage people, you know, if there are keystrokes and shortcuts and all of that stuff, take the time to learn those because it, it will hugely impact the time you spend editing your podcast. So I don't think it takes that many episodes. I guess it 
also kind of depends on, you know, how deep are you editing? Is it every um and uh or, you know, that kind of stuff? Because I hate that. I hate a super clean sounding podcast. I feel like it's got to be conversational. And my philosophy with that is take out anything that's distracting, but anything that sounds normal, I will still leave it in. Yeah, it depends. And also it depends on the person that's editing. I have some clients that are like, no, don't take any breaths out. Uh, you know, that's the way I talk and it's mm -hmm. conversational. And then I have other ones that say, oh, I can't take those deep breaths. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Can you please take them out? So again, I, it depends on, it's like a, I guess it's like a pot of soup. You can do different things. Like if I make a pot of minestrone and you make a pot of minestrone, it's probably going to taste a little bit different because we're going to just add a little touch of this and that. Exactly. Well, we could use the same ingredients and it's still going to sound different. Exactly. So what do you use to edit? I, for the most part, use Logic Pro because that's what I started using for my music production work and I was familiar with it. I am such a huge fan, though, of Adobe Audition that I'm trying to slowly kind of gradually transition to doing all of my podcast editing in Audition. But I have that resistance of I just want to stick with what I know because I'm comfortable with it and I'm faster with it. And eventually, if I can make that transition over to Audition, you know, I'll get faster with it. It will come. So what I would say to you was I started with Audacity. And I was very mm -hmm. proficient in Audacity. And then I started working for Daniel J. Lewis, the Audacity the podcast. And he said, listen, I want you to use Audition. So to me, it was like learning a whole other language. And mm -hmm. so what I would do is like I would do some of the editing in Audacity. And then I would take those files and move them over to Audition. And he finally said to me, "And you know what? Take and delete Audacity off your computer because you <laughs> will not learn Audition if you keep translating. Just get in there right. and do it. So I thought to myself, well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good because to be honest with you, I always wanted to learn a second language. And mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm horrible at it. And I've tried to learn Spanish several times and I'm horrible at it. That's because I tr still try to translate. And I know that if I would move to somewhere where they only spoke Spanish, there would be two phrases that I would learn immediately. Uh, where's a good place to eat? Donde es mm -hmm. un buen lugar para comer? And where is the nearest clean bathroom? ¿Dónde está el baño limpio más cercano? So basically, <laughs> I took his advice and I deleted Audacity off of my computer and I just started using Audition. And I've been using it ever since. And I, again, I love it. I think it's the best, but again, it's expensive because you have to pay for it every month. And right. these other ones you can buy, like Audacity is, is very good. I mean, it's a really good, robust editor mm -hmm. and it's free. But there's a learning curve there. And then they have the Project or Pro Logic. Is it Logic Pro? Logic Pro. Logic Pro. Logic uh -huh. Pro for, is only for Mac. So it's right. really not for PC. So, but then, you know, Audacity is for PC and Mac. And then you have GarageBand. And everybody loves GarageBand. And I've got to tell you, I've tried to use it three or four times. I can't even get a file in it. So it's really weird for me to use GarageBand. And I often have other people that use it to record, so they'll mm -hmm. ask me questions, and I'm like, yeah, GarageBand, I don't speak GarageBand. Yeah. You can just send them to me. I will send them to I'll you. I'll help them with that. Right. All right. And then they have Hindenburg and Hindenburg Pro, but they're uh -huh. 95 for Hindenburg dollars and 375 but that's a one-time purchase. Mm -hmm. There's also Reaper, 
that they use. And that's if you're going to use that and it's your own podcast, it's sixty dollars. But if you're going to edit for multiple podcasts, then they want you to use the commercial license for two twenty five. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I would say you can get tutorials. Elsie has a great GarageBand tutorial also. And then mm-hmm. I live on YouTube. Me too. If I need something, if I and anything you think that you won't be able to find on YouTube, just do a search. And usually there's a twelve year old who has a video that's teaching. I'm like, I I can't believe there's a 12-year-old teaching me how to use this, and I couldn't figure this out. And he's like, um, like, what you do, um, is first you press this, and like, and boom, he's got it down. So yeah, a lot of 12-year-olds teaching over on YouTube, but they're good at it. Right. I am on YouTube still daily learning how to do something or, or, you know, trying to figure out something because there's always... It doesn't matter how long you do this. Like there's always a new challenge, something changes, and you just have to go figure it out. My biggest fear is when I look up and it says audition has a new update. I'm like, oh, no, what have you done? (laughs) What have you changed? What have you done now to my precious audition that I might now have to learn and change and adapt to? Exactly. We don't like changes as humans that much. No, no. I don't. I am not a fan, especially when it comes to podcast editing. I'm like, I have my workflow. I know what I'm doing. I know what all the keys are. Don't go messing with my podcast editing tools. All right. So let me ask you this. What is your flow for editing? What do you do first? All right. I send you files. I send you an interview, me on one track, my guest on another. I send you an intro of me introducing the guest. And then afterwards, I send you an outro of just me you know, summarizing what the guest said and then signing off with a call to action. What's your workflow? So before I even start any of that, I've most likely with the first episode that I've done for you is I've already created a template that I'm going to use every time I go to edit your show. So I'm going to already have all the tracks laid out and labeled. So it's going to have John, it's going to have guest, it's going to have all the tracks for the music and any bumpers and intros and outros and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm also going to have any of the plugins that I use already set up. And I'm a big fan of the Isotope stuff. So I use the um, Isotope Alloy 2 is kind of my go-to plugin for EQ and compression and limiting and all that kind of podcast nerdy stuff that gets done because I've set up, I've already got a preset that I have saved in, in Isotope for that. And then I also use their dialogue denoiser. And if I need it also their de-reverb, which is fantastic. So I've got my template with all of that set up and then I'll kind of get the files in line of kind of how it's going to flow and then I start going back in and tweaking like the EQ and the compression and that kind of stuff. And then I go in and do the edits, line everything back up, play through it. And then I know we wanted to talk also about loudness. This is where I love Adobe Audition because then I export the final file out of Logic Pro as an AIF. So it's uncompressed. I import that into Adobe Audition. And then that's when I set my loudness levels and then export it as an MP3. And I export at, I do a mono file, MP3 at 128. All right, now I'm going to tell you my workflow because it's a little bit different. But first, Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about podcast movement. 
Now, you've been to Podcast Movement. I have been to Podcast Movement in Chicago. I have yet to go to Podcast Movement. My first Podcast Movement will be this July in Philadelphia. And what I love about Podcast Movement is the stories. If you're a new podcaster, if you're a seasoned podcaster, everything you need, all the people you need to talk to, all the people that talk podcasting are at Podcast Movement. One of the things that I find that when I want to talk about podcasting, there's no one around my immediate area that cares about podcasting. None of my friends podcast, none of my family. They, oh, he's talking podcasting. And the eyes, <laughs> I get the eye roll. So uh-huh. when you go to Podcast Movement, they all want to talk about podcasting. It's your people. Yeah, it is. It's your peeps. It's in Philadelphia this July 23rd through the 26th, three days of workshops, panels, parties, more. The conference offers over 100 sessions on topics ranging from technical aspects, setting up your equipment, audio production, editing, marketing, monetization of your your show, you know, either now or in the future. And they have over 60 podcast services and equipment providers all there. It's fantastic. And if you go to podcastmovement.com and enter the promo code SHEP or SHEP, you can get $50 off your registration. And uh, I will be there and I will be taking people from podcast movements around Philadelphia to get them their very first real Philly cheesesteak. That is going to be my podcasting service at Podcast Movement. That alone makes me want to go. I'm telling you, I was there this morning. I went over there this morning and uh, because I had to drop my daughter off for a, the Eagles uh, Super Bowl parade. And I, as nice. I was zipping out, I said, you know what? I'm stopping for a cheesesteak. Can you have a cheesesteak for breakfast? Yes, you can. There's meat. There's carbs, there's onions, there's cheese. It's delightful. It sounds like it is. It was great. So if you can go over to podcastmovement.com, use the promo code SHEP, SHEP, and get $50 off, I'm telling you, it is a great way to meet podcasters. It is. I can totally vouch for that. I, I met the coolest people in Chicago. I mean, you know, all of the sessions are great, but the real fun for me was actually connecting with people that I listen to their podcast. Like I could recognize their voice coming down the hall before I actually saw them. I know what you're talking about. I'll remember the first time that I met the Dave Jackson. It was in a podcasting kind of Google Hangout. And all of a sudden I'm in there and there's Dave. I hear the voice. I'm like, that's Dave Jackson. And then <laughs> next thing you know, I'm talking to Dave Jackson. And I was right. I, I was like, this is crazy. I'm talking. I mean, I listen to this guy every week and now he's just sitting there and we're talking podcasting. Who's living better than me? So, yeah, exactly. That's exactly why you got to go, because they're the nicest people. You think they're unapproachable, but they're totally approachable and they love yeah. talking podcasting. Yeah, that's our podcast people. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to do the same thing that you did. I'm going to go through my flow. So everybody sends their audio to me, you know, the music and all that kind of stuff. So what I do is where you do the processing through Isotope, I use the Aphonic desktop leveler. You can go to Aphonic.com and then you can buy their desktop. They have single track uh, leveler and they also have a multi-track leveler. And it does the voodoo it do. All you do is you drag the files in there. You push a button and it does everything. You set the luffs. What did you say you set your luffs at? I set mine at minus 16 and then set the limiter to minus three. Okay. So what I do is I have it set at minus 19 for mono and minus 16 for stereo if I use stereo, but I never do. So the, the only thing is that your 
show will be louder than my show, even though it'll be equally louder. Uh, one of my pet peeves is where the host is talking like this, and then the co-host is talking like this, and then you're trying to and you're turning the knob up and down and back and forth. I just shut it off at that point. Yeah, I'm done. I can't take it. Or this, it sounds like the co-host is in another room yelling from another room. <laughs> so far off, Mike. How do you get that far off, Mike? Don't you wear headphones? Can't you hear yourself? You're so far off, Mike. I always say audio processing is like makeup. A little bit enhances the beauty. But if you use too much, you look like a clown. So with audio processing, it can only do so much. But that's what I use. I use the Aphonic, and I also use the Multitrack for Aphonic. And then I drag everything into Audition and then do any kind of editing that I need and then set up the show as far as music and bumpers and commercials and stuff like that. When you drag those tracks into Authonic, are you doing the individual tracks first? Well, see now where they would do the intro and the outro, if it's just them speaking, yes, I would do that. But if it's an interview and they are both speaking, you know, there's two tracks, guest and you yes. have to do that in a multi-track. I mean, I can mix okay. it down. Here's the thing. If I say, oh, I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to mix it down. And then there's always a dog barking on one track and the person mm-hmm. talking on the other. So then I have to go back and drag it in the, and drag in both tracks anyhow. So that's what's nice right. about having two tracks because if your guest is at home and then all of a sudden the dog starts barking, but the host is talking, you can cut that out and no one will hear it. But then what I do in audition, if I'm editing just a single track, I have what's called the quarter second of goodness. The quarter second of goodness is where in the beginning, I try to get them to give me five seconds of silence. So I have the ambient room noise, the noise floor. I take a quarter second and I copy that onto the clipboard. I just use control copy. And then as I go and as they um or breathe or I just grab that, highlight it, just paste that in there. And it's just a quarter Mm -hmm. second of goodness. And I just go through that that way. But you cannot do that on the multi-track. I have a lot of different tricks for changing things and getting things out of there in the multi-track. But what I like about Audition is you can basically do anything, fade in, even if you have a clip where sometimes if you have a, where you take in, you make a cut, which is called a a ripple cut, delete cut, and you'll hear like a little pop with Mm -hmm. Audacity, I can take and just put a little fade into the, on both sides of that. And it takes that pop out of there. With audacity or audition? I'm sorry, audition. I'll, I'll use those two terms at the same time, but I always mean audition. <laughs> I don't know why okay. I do that. So, yes, that's just my crazy brain not knowing the difference between the words. Or not my mouth not knowing what my brain is thinking. So that's what I do. But, yes, so I, I, can, take, I can take that and just use a little bit of fade on both sides of the cut and take that pop out of there. So that's what I love about audition but then again, other people swear by these other, I think it's what you grow up on. You know, what right. you learn to use, that's what you like. And for me, I was, I'd probably edit 20 podcasts a week of other people's shows and then three podcasts a week of my own stuff. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, there's a lot of editing going on. <laughs> and I find it so much easier and so much more forgiving and you can usually take a lot of the problems out or more than I can get out with audacity or I've also tried to use reaper but then I I, mm-hmm. I for me I'm like why do I need to learn like again why do I need to learn another language I speak this one semi fine right 
So let me ask you this. When do you think you need a, a editor and when do you think you do not need an editor? I think that really depends on where you want to spend your time. I think, and a lot of it depends on budget too. You know, I do think there's a lot to be said for when you're starting out, getting in and kind of learning your way around the software and the recording to make sure that, you know, you're setting your levels right and that you're using your ears and, and making sure that everything is going to sound as, as good as you can possibly make it, regardless of, you know, if you're recording in a fancy studio or if you are at home recording in your walk-in closet. Learn to make the best of what's around you. And when you do that, then I think you've got a better understanding, too, of kind of what that editor is doing. And once you understand what that workflow is and that process, it's going to make you a better client because you're going to communicate better with your editor. So life is going to be so much easier for both of you guys when there's a basic understanding. So I think a lot of it comes down to budget. And if you hate editing, then don't edit. Like if you can find somebody to do that for you, don't spend time doing something about your show that sucks the life out of you, that takes the fun out of it. Because what's the point then? Yeah. Okay. So then my next question is, how much would it be to have somebody edit your podcast? And for me, I would say that if you're doing an hour long show and it's, you know, a basic show where there's an intro, an outro, a uh, interview or something that's not overly produced, you could probably get that show done somewhere between $50 and $125 an episode. Does that sound ballparky? Yeah, I'd definitely say you're in the ballpark there. All right. So then if you think about that and you're going to put out a show a week, you know, you're shelling out $200 a month or $500 a month on the high end. So if you have that kind of coin and it's easier for you to just shell that out, the time you're going to spend editing, if you can make a, a grand or two, then by all means, go get yourself an editor. But if you're just starting out and you haven't monetized yet or you're you're just doing this, it might behoove you to uh, learn how to edit some. I would say there's there's a couple of good Facebook groups for editors. You can get mm -hmm. in there. And like I said, I think that there's a lot of good tutorials on Facebook, Facebook, YouTube, <laughs> that you can get in there and uh, and watch and listen, and it'll help you with your learning curve. And I, I again, I just think that, that it's don't be afraid of it. That's my biggest tip is not to be afraid of the editing. Right. I think it happens in baby steps and you will get more of those, like the little aha moments. And then suddenly it's like, it's no big deal. I can go and get this show edited in an hour and it's done and it sounds phenomenal and I'm ready to rock and roll and let's record another one. To be honest with you, for me, if I was ever going to pay anybody to do something for my show, it would be show notes because I despise show notes. Yeah. I think 90% of the people despise show notes. It's like, why do we need show notes? Can't we just put it out there? Uh, yes, you can. But the flavor packet is the show notes because it directs people. I never thought of it that way. You're right. Yeah, because it's where they'll say something on the show and they'll say, uh, you know, a product or a website or a blog or something. I'm like, wow, where is that? And then I always hit the, the show notes. And if it, the show notes says, the hosts talk about this, I'm like, oh. But then if you go mm -hmm. to a show note, like the She Podcast, Elsie does a great job. All the links are there. Yes. So you just hit the show notes and there's a link and you hit that on your phone and boom, you're there. 
And to me, it's just like just that added little bit of flavor to the podcast when you have good show notes. But I'm horrible at it. Matter of fact, Jessica told me that I write like a fourth grader. So <laughs> that's an actual line. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right. See, Jess is here too. Ah, uh, that just makes my heart happy to hear that. Right. No, I, I agree though on the on the show notes. It's something that I, I don't really enjoy doing it. And I've tried to do a better job as I'm going through and editing is usually when I'll start making notes. I may take a few notes as I'm actually recording the podcast if it's an interview based. And then on the series, I did a, a series back in November where I published a new episode every day for 30 days. And fortunately with those, like it was pretty much all scripted and solo. So any links and resources I mentioned, I already had there. I included that in the show notes and, and I was done with it. Since you brought it up, I want to talk to you about the NAPO POMO. What was it again? Oh, National Podcast Post Month. Right. So it was NAPA POMO Month or whatever it was. Yeah. So we were doing the episode of She Podcast and they said that you were doing that. And I said, oh, what a great idea. I'll do that. And then I watched you and you made it to the end and I made it for like a week. <laughs> and I said, this is insane. And I was only doing 15 minute episodes, if that. And it was a ton of work. So how did you, yeah. how much pre-planning did you do before the month started? So I decided probably two or three days before the month started, like, oh, this sounds like a grand idea. So then I made a spreadsheet and just kind of started listing out, okay, I could talk five to 10 minutes on this. So it was all, you know, brass tacks of podcasting wisdom, things that I'm asked a lot by clients or just over the course of having conversations with other podcasters. And so I was like, well, I know I've got all this stuff that's rattling around in my head, but I should probably just get it out anyway. And so I put it out, you know, 30 ideas on a spreadsheet and just kind of started banging them out that way. And I would try to get, I try to stay ahead of the game and get, you know, a couple days recorded, uploaded to Libsyn, you know, and then get it scheduled to publish out. So I was getting one every day. And there were days that it just didn't happen. Like it was total last minute, under the gun, trying to get it done. And, but I felt like since I'd made that commitment, like it was going to happen. And it really, it forced me to get super organized. It forced me to not care so much about getting the episode perfect, you know, get it close enough, make sure that the audio quality is good on it, and then just get it out there. And I managed to make it through those 30 days. It was it was good for me just to see that I could actually do that. See, now I took the other tack. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And then I was so stressed out and couldn't – I was racking my brain for topics. And then I was trying to do this editing within all the other editing that I was doing. It was taking a lot of time. And then with the show notes and everything. And then I just thought to myself, you know what? This is one of those times where, guess what? You're going to fail. And instead of just – dragging yourself down and doing it wrong and horrible. And I was like, that's it. I pulled a ripcord. The shoot came out and I was like, bye. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. Now, next year yeah. when it comes back, I want to do it just so I know that I can do it. But I mm -hmm. like the idea of the spreadsheet because I 
of course, you're more organized than me. I just grabbed the piece of paper and I'm like, all right, give me five ideas. And I'm like, okay. And then I started doing the recording and then the editing and then trying to get the show notes together. It started where I missed one day. And then mm-hmm. once I missed one day, I was like, oh, I d- now I'm not going to do it. And then I missed another day and I was like, that's it. I can't do this anymore. So sometimes, and that's the other great thing about podcasting is you can pull a ripcord. And you can change and no one's going to punch you in the face. Exactly. If you're going to change and and take a new tack. I like the idea of trying to do something like that, but it does definitely need more planning, especially for me. It was horrible. And uh, I actually had people interview. I interviewed people and they interviewed me and it it never made it out because Mm -hmm. I might save that for the next time because I actually have like five episodes ready to go. They'll be a year old. No one will know, but they'll be a year old. Right. All right. So well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and, and even with the Brassy broadcast, I've lacked consistency. And really my podcast is kind of, it's my playground to go out and experiment and try new things. Like, hey, I can try this 30 days and see what happens with it. And I've decided that I'm going to do the next season is going, and I switched to doing seasons because to me, I like seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. It feels good. And it's just easier for me to manage. So the next season will be probably six episodes and they're all going to come out at the same time. And it's like, boom, I'm just done with it and, and see what happens with it. So how often do you publish an episode now? Right now, I'm throwing in some random ones just when the mood strikes. And then my goal this year is to do do a season quarterly. Okay. Let's do six episodes every quarter? Yeah. Okay. And then release them all at the same time, like Netflix. There you go. Hopefully, it's binge-worthy and people like it that way. And and I want to see what it does to the numbers. I want to see what it does to my workflow. And just, you know, the more experiences I can have – producing podcasts in different ways, I feel like that adds to what I can then advise my clients to do. Yeah, I like that idea because the same thing with me, I do a lot of different types of podcasts. I just had a podcast that a woman came to me, her name is Jamie Rice, and she started the Murderish podcast, which is in the murder mystery podcast realm. And she said, I don't know how to podcast. Can you teach me how to podcast? And I said, okay, buy this mic, buy this recorder, record into this, send me these files. And she started doing that and she's six shows in. And I got to tell you, she does an amazing job. And she, cause I load her show up and I see her numbers and I want to jump mm-hmm. off a tall roof because I've been doing <laughs> my show for like a year and I don't even have half of her. I don't have a quarter of her numbers. So, mm-hmm. but you know, she jumped into a, uh, a genre of podcasting that everybody loves and they just can't get enough of it. And I think she does a great job of reading and telling the story. And she adds like different clips from the case and uh, she's done a fantastic job. So again, if you have a concept and you want to try it, you just get a hold of somebody that can help you through that. And it's podcasting is, I shouldn't say it's not, it's not hard if you do it right. It's not hard Mm -hmm. if you learn the right way in the beginning. But if you decide to just start on your own and then try to change everything in mid-flight, that gets a little tricky, I feel. Yeah, I've definitely had to kind of work around that and figure out, you know, what do I even want my podcast to be when it grows up? I don't know. 
Like, <laughs> I feel like it changes daily. Yeah, the same thing with me because I've been doing it for about a year now, uh, almost well, a year and a half. And I keep saying, well, I want to change this. I want to do that. But again, my podcast is definitely a playground because I get to do things like I decided to one time, okay, we're going to record on Facebook Live. And then mm-hmm. I used to make so much mistakes and the guys, the, my friends would be in there making fun of me. My podcast friends would be in there making fun of me. And I'm reading the nice. comments and I was like, okay, I don't want to do Facebook Live anymore. <laughs> so we stopped doing Facebook Live. But at least I know I can do it. Right. And then I started with the soundboard and uh, I use it a lot. And the same way I have that when I use the She Podcast, when Elsie and Jess are talking and they do something, I can always drop in a... Fabulous. So I thought that was <laughs> huge for uh, my podcast. So you get the chance to try different things. And if you don't like it, you get rid of it. And if you do like it, you keep it up. Yeah. So the best thing I did, the most fun I've ever had recording a podcast was back in like the end of September. We went to Yellowstone and my wife and I stayed with my mom and dad in their RV. And like, what could possibly go wrong there? Right. No drama. So I threw my ATR 2100 in my backpack. I had my laptop. I had my Zoom recorder in case I decided to go that route because I wanted to see what it was like to produce a podcast on the road while I'm traveling. And it was another one of those challenges of can I get this done? Because I tried to do a daily on that too, which didn't always happen. But My wife, Beth, and I sat in the rental van, a Dodge Grand Caravan, fabulous podcast recording studio. That's where we recorded it because it was quiet. And then I'd go go in the RV, mix it all together, and then get up at 5 a.m. when there was enough bandwidth in the RV park so I could actually get it uploaded to Libsyn. See, that's amazing. For me, bandwidth isn't even an issue because where I I am, my studio, I have 100 uh, megabytes up and down. So, mm-hmm. but then Elsie has that problem because she, where she lives, they don't have the same kind of access to the bandwidth that I do. So th- there's all these challenges. And I did listen to those podcasts where you did it in Yellowstone and they were great. And that's where I started to change my mind about using a car to record in because it's uh-huh. not a bad studio. It's not bad at all. And I know. It was great. I know people that actually podcast in the car. They go in the car mm-hmm. to podcast because they say they have their best conversations in the car. And once you realize that they're just in the car doing it, you now you're listening to content and you're not paying attention to the background noises. Exactly. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. So there's different ways of doing it. Uh, my friend Amanda Darty, she used to do – well, she's, she's coming back with the Great Beer Adventure. She would go to a bar and to a, a different bar and try a different craft beer and she would have people and she would interview them there. So you had that – ambiance of the background noise of the the glasses clinking the people talking in the background and Mm -hmm. once you get once you tell the audience that that's okay that this is where we're going to be and they can hear that's the big thing they got to be able to hear and she did a great job of setting it up where she had the microphone set up right taught good mic technique to the guests which is huge and yes that's huge too is mic technique I don't know how many podcasts you've listened to where they take a Blue Yeti and sit it on a coffee table and have a conversation. You know what? I haven't listened to that podcast (laughs) because it sounds horrible and I turned it off. I know. And then you say to them, you know, you might want to try to get two mics and they're like, well, the content's good. Yeah. 
That's true, I guess. I'll never yeah. know because I'm not listening to uh-huh. that. I'm not listening to that background noise. I'm not listening to that that tinniness that's, that goes with it. I did not like the Blue Yeti at all. I would tell people that was the, the nails on the chalkboard of podcasting mics. But I changed my mind now because I have a couple of clients that use it to know how to use it, to know how to set it up. And it's actually yeah, a, a really that's good the mic. difference. Right. I wouldn't recommend it for a new podcaster. Mm-mm. I would recommend the ATR 2100 or the Shure 58. I mean, mm-hmm. as a low-end microphone to try it out. But the condenser microphones are, oh, they're terrible if you don't know how to use them or set them up. Yeah, they can be challenging, especially if you're not in a in a space that's conducive to to using one of those. Okay, John, there are a couple things that I want to make sure that we get to. That there are actually things that have just kind of come up for me over the course of the last week or so. And one of the things that I get asked a lot about is loudness and measuring it and luffs. And I actually was just listening to the feed, the latest episode of the feed podcast from Libsyn this week. And one of the things that Rob was talking about was all these different recommended levels of luffs and, and what these loudness levels need to be. So what, what are your thoughts on that and what's your experience been? So I was taught And whenever someone tells me and teaches me something, that's what I do until someone tells me, we're not doing that anymore. So I was taught one time, I think it was on the Podcasters Roundtable with Daniel J. Lewis, Dave Jackson, Ray Ortega, and they said that they were going to try a standard of negative 19 luffs for mono and negative 16 luffs for stereo. And that's Mm -hmm. what I've been using. Now, here's the thing. If I do all my shows at negative 19 luffs for mono, and you're listening to my show, you'll never have to touch the volume level. But let's say I do negative 19 luffs for mono, and you do negative 16 luffs for mono also. Mm-hmm. So they're going to listen to my show, and they're going to listen to your show, and then you're just going to go over, and they're just going to turn the volume down a little because yours is going to be a little bit louder than mine. So that's mm-hmm. not really a big deal. Again, if you're going to listen to the radio, they try to make theirs at negative 24 luffs. That's what they uh-huh. set their loudness for. So, again, it's just a benchmark to shoot for. Uh, the problem is yeah. if you have it at like negative 10, which is really loud, or negative 35, which is really, really soft, then it's hard to listen to. Even in a car, if you, even if you turn it way, way up, you get that hiss. And then the, mm-hmm. the, the car noise, it's very hard to hear. So that's they use that as a they said that's the standard we're going to use so that's what I used. So but you use negative 16. Now why do you use negative 16 and where did you get that from? <sighs> where did I get that from? It was probably a situation similar to yours that you know this is what we're recommending is negative 16 and and that's what I went with. And so but the main thing I think is regardless of what number you choose, use it consistently. Yes. Because if people are listening to back-to-back episodes of your show, do them a solid and don't make them jack around with the volume control. And just to kind of go back to, so what is this luffs and this loudness? So these actually measure the audio similarly to the way we perceive sound. And, oh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, too, is some of my favorite resources. And this, I'm going to quote an article that was on transom.org. Because it's, this is also something I think that we need to be aware of. 
and they say that to be clear, loudness normalizing a final mix will not change relative levels between elements of the mix. So if the mix includes a poor level shift between two interviewees or two sections in the mix, loudness normalization will not improve that. All it does is adjust the level of the overall mix. So even before you use Auphonic or you use the tool in Adobe Audition, you've got to have your levels still consistent before you add the loudness piece of that in there. So that's my two cents on the loudness. I'm going to peel back the curtain here a little bit. Okay. So with the She Podcast, one of my my sisters from another mister, Jessica, she has a booming voice. So it's very hard to get proper mic technique with her because she'll move her head around the mic. And if she's talking into the mic, she's, you have a great sound. But if she moves her head to turn and do this and back and <laughs> forth, it's tough. So I'm constantly writing. That's another nice thing about audition is I'll grab that piece of audio that's low and there's a little dial on the top and I can just raise that loudness or raise her audio mm-hmm. up like five, six dB and I can just grab and do that little piece instead of trying to do the whole show. Now, I know I can compress it and do all this other stuff, but what happens is she's her range, her loudness range is so different, big, back and forth, that when I do that, I kind of get a, a, an effect on her voice when she's really loud. So mm-hmm. I, you know, it's not enough to go crazy, but there's some points in there. And the same thing with Elsie, too. And everybody, if you're doing that, somebody will turn away from the mic or they'll start to say something. And as they start to talk, they'll tail off and they'll just, that's about it. So you kind of have to bring that up. And so that's one of the things I love about audition. If I don't do that and I do all that loudness and normalization, you can really notice that in the final mix that Jessica is moving her head away and turning her head back and forth. I don't get them. I try to get most of them. It's hard to get them all. But again, I get most of them. But you're absolutely right. I know I use a phonic and it does a good job, but it doesn't do a great job. So that's why I'm interested in using that isotope processing. I'm going to be looking into that that you use. Well, for the leveling, though, yes. I, I throw it back into Audition. Oh, okay. So that's where you do your leveling in Audition. That's I actually do my leveling in Audition. See, I don't know if that's going to work. See, you would still have to ride the vo- I always say ride the volume. Well, and so not my leveling, but I use the – so let me rephrase that. For the final. So I get my levels set when I'm in Logic Pro and okay. make sure that I've got you know relatively consistent levels between the guest and you know all of that stuff is done. And then I bounce that out to an AIF file. Then I import it into Audition and use their loudness match. Got it. And then that's where I set the luffs to negative 16 okay. and minus 3. And what does Rob set his at? I don't remember what he said. He said it at. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought you said that he did give you a number. Okay. He may have. There just seems to be a lot of differences between, you know, what Spotify wants versus what, you know, somebody else wants versus what, like we talked about what radio does at minus 24 love. So, yeah, it's, you know, we're trying to make a lot of people happy, I think. So just make yourself happy. I agree. And I feel like we've been kind of super technical and kind of, you know, we get our editor geek on in this conversation. So I wanted to share a couple of resources. So if you're like, I don't know exactly what they meant, 
So if maybe you're a little confused or want some more information on what John and I were talking about, here are a couple of phenomenal resources. There's transom.org, and that's T-R-A-N-S-O-M.org. They have so many great articles on the technical stuff, but also on some of the bigger ideas around producing really great podcasts and storytelling podcasts. And then I also love training.npr.org. So another great resource. These are two I've never heard of. I can't wait to listen to the episode, hit the show notes and find out the link and go there to check them out. Yeah, I would encourage everyone to do that because they're just phenomenal and packed full of podcasting goodness. All right. So I think we've taken this as far as we can. I mean, if you're an editor or you're into editing, then I think hopefully you got some goodness nuggets out of this. And Mm -hmm. if you hire someone to edit, I'm sure you've pressed the stop button long ago. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, I really appreciate Elsie and Jess letting us take over the show and geek out. Yes, thank you, Elsie and Jess. And uh, they will be back next week with all kinds of stories of PodFest goodness and shenanigans, I'm sure. And I'm sure there'll be a few more goat stories. Those are my favorite. The goat updates. Yes, I know. Yes. I thought to myself, I always want to see that show. If I was going to produce a TV show, it would be the uh, Elsie and Jess show where what's going on in Jess's world and what's going on in Elsie's world. Like Elsie's walking, taking the goats for a walk. And Jess is trying to potty train Isaac. So, I mean, those yes. things to me, that's that's comedy gold, to be quite honest with you. Truly. Like, we've got a puppy. That's as exciting as it gets around here right now. Right. The fin turn. The fin turn. Yes. And you can see Finn's adventures on my Instagram at Brassy Broad Jen on Instagram and see what Finn is up to because truly she is running the show around here. All right, so here's the other thing. If they wanted to get in touch with you because they want you to edit their podcast, how do they contact you? Brassybroad.com. There you go. And if you want to contact me, I'm at audioeditingsolutions.com. All right, so let's wrap this up now. See, I've I've listened to this a ton of times, so I'm going to try to go through this. You can always get in touch with the girls at feedback at shepodcast.com, also on Twitter at She Podcast and the Facebook group that I'm not allowed in, but Jennifer is allowed in. <laughs> and that's at Facebook.com slash group slash She Podcast. And there's also the Facebook page, which I'm allowed to look at. And that is Facebook.com slash She Podcast. Jen, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you, John. And thanks, Jessica and Elsie. Love you. Mean it. <laughs>